Jesus bless you. So today we will cover baptism as commanded in the name of Jesus alone. Praise God. The majority of Christians, as we know, are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But clearly, this is wrong. Now, they will cite Matthew 28, 19 as support for this. Now, let's look at Matthew 28, 19. Most of you know these scriptures. Most of you know the theology behind it. But... Uh, Bear with us, these Bible studies which are being recorded and put on the website, they are for the purpose of these new churches that are joining us, whether it's Egypt, whether it's Nepal, whether it's uh, uh, Ivory Coast. We even have a pastor from Kenya who has jo who joined us, Pastor David. And uh, in the future, as, as I've said earlier, we will have a lot of responsibility. And the first business of ours is to preach the true doctrine of salvation. It should be available in text and it should be available in audio format. So this is uh, basically uh, the, the vision and the uh, rationale behind what I'm doing. So Jesus bless you. And uh, we, we know God will use it to touch many people worldwide. So let's look at Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So, firstly, there is no example of such a baptism that is in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to be found anywhere in the New Testament. The New Testament only records examples of baptism in the name of Jesus alone. We know that the most famous example is the declaration of the Apostle Paul on the day of Pentecost. Let's turn again to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Matthew, who wrote Matthew 28, 19, was also present on the day of Pentecost. He heard the apostle Peter stand up and say that they should all be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Now, if baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is not correct, we should assume that the uh, Apostle Matthew would have stood up and objected to what Peter said. But that is not recorded in the Bible. The apostles were in one accord. In fact, I've even heard Christians tell me I would rather obey Jesus and uh, what Jesus told Matthew as if Jesus was not speaking through Peter. It's the Holy Ghost that was in Peter. The Holy Ghost is Jesus. And above all, we have a very uh, powerful scripture in the book of Acts chapter 15, verse 7, 
Kamenot can help me to post the scripture. But the book of Acts, chapter 15 and verse 7, this was a moment when you could say that everyone who was someone in the early church was gathered together. Whether it's your Matthews, your Peters, your Pauls, your Barnabases, all were gathered together in Acts chapter 15, verse 7. It was the first council of the church to solve doctrinal issues. And listen to what the Apostle Peter says when he stands up. He says, when there, the Bible records, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the gospel, should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Please let us underline this uh, verse here because Peter is clearly claiming to have the supreme authority to preach or, or the, the preeminence when it comes to the leadership in the church to preach the gospel. And who chose that he would be the one to preach the gospel? It is Jesus. And Peter, interestingly, calls Jesus God. He says, you know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us. This is why we believe Jesus is God. In fact, he's the only God. Because Peter is speaking to apostles, disciples who were there in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus himself chose the apostle Peter, and he gave him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And Peter is reminding them of that moment. By the way, who wrote Matthew 16? It's Matthew himself. So Matthew himself records that Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And that means he will be the one through whose mouth the gospel will be preached to the Gentiles. We are the Gentiles. And believe so how, why would Matthew oppose or come with another doctrine that Peter is preaching? You see, it makes no sense. For people who want to slavishly follow Matthew 28, 19, they don't want to consider these other scriptures in the Bible. Who is the ultimate, who has the ultimate authority to preach the apostolic doctrine? It's Peter. He said it right here, and nobody challenged him, not even Paul. So that's why we always, we who are founded on the foundation of the prophets and apostles, please let's put up again Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20 is very clear. We are founded on the foundation that is the prophets and apostles. And Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. So based on this, we have the best authority to tell people how to be saved. Praise God. Ephesians 2.20 says, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The apostle Paul warned the Corinthian church. 
He said, be careful how you build. When we preach, we witness to people, we are building something. And in the end, Jesus is going to test what we have built. We have to make sure that we do not build using another foundation. Use the foundation the apostles used. Peter had to uh, remind everyone about the authority that Jesus invested in. He said, by my mouth, the gospel, the Gentiles would hear the gospel and believe. So let's not be ashamed to keep repeating Acts 2.38. But with understanding, praise God. It is this truth, these truths, that give us the confidence to travel to the whole world. Doesn't matter who I meet. I open the scriptures and say, here, it's right here. In the past then Nepal looked at it and he told me and again and again, it's very clear. I have no argument. Thank God, amen. It would be uh, quite dangerous to argue with Peter. You can argue with me. You can argue with anyone else. But uh, nobody argued with Peter on that day. You see, before that, there was much disputing. Amen. Much disputing. But when Peter spoke, there's no disputing. When Peter spoke on the day of Pentecost, there is no disputing. Everybody knew this man has the right to stand up among 120 people and to declare that baptism is only in the name of Jesus Christ. So if one is baptized in any other name, that salvation is invalid. That salvation is void. It's null and void. Praise God. Let's say this with confidence and let's say this with burden for souls. Amen. The reason we must shout this loudly, we can't hide it, is because people are dying without using the name of Jesus in baptism and salvation. So no one had more authority than Peter to proclaim the leader of the apostles. Peter did not hesitate to remind the apostles and other prominent Christian leaders of his mandate from the Lord in the first church council in Jerusalem. Amen. So the question then becomes, how can Christians reconcile the apparent or so-called contradiction, quote unquote, between the baptismal command in Matthew 28, 19 and the rest of the New Testament where baptism was conducted in the name of Jesus alone? Is there a contradiction? I'm saying this because for some denominational pastors, they surprisingly state that they would rather obey the Lord than obey Peter. Our answer to them is Christ is not divided. The Lord invested all authority to interpret his doctrine to his apostles. Amen. Who had the authority? The Prerogative. In fact, Jesus told them, he, he who hears you, hears me. Let's turn to Luke chapter 10 and verse 16. Luke chapter 10 and verse 16. If we are to come to a biblical resolution of this problem of the name of baptism in waters, then 
we need to consider Luke chapter 10, verse 16 carefully for those who say we would rather listen to what Jesus told uh, Matthew. Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, he that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. It's gone. So as such, only they, they knew how the commands of the Lord were to be interpreted and practiced. Only the apostles really knew the commands of the Lord and how they were to be interpreted and practiced. Amen. And we know that they baptized everyone in the name of Jesus. So let me repeat again, the same apostle Matthew who wrote Matthew 28, 19 was there on the day of Pentecost when Peter commanded baptism in the name of Jesus. Nowhere do we read of a disagreement between the two. Matthew and all the others clearly consented to Peter's command for baptism to be executed in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Praise God. Now, there are myriad, there are many, many scriptures attesting to the fact that the Apostle Paul, too, had the revelation that baptism was in the name of Jesus alone. We can just look at one, Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Paul says, Know you not? that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Praise God. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ. When Paul says us, he includes himself. So now we know in which name the apostle Paul was baptized. He himself was baptized in the name of Jesus. Praise God. In chapter 22, Ananias came to him when he was blind and told him, why do you tarry? What are you waiting for? Arise, be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Paul was baptized in the name of Jesus. So there is no doubt that the baptismal formula was in the name of Jesus alone and not in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If one understands the significance behind baptism in the name of Jesus, then there will be no confusion about the baptismal formula. You see, last week we were looking at the meaning behind baptism in the name of Jesus. I cannot repeat this now, but we have it recorded and uh, probably put up uh, on the website, I'm guessing. Uh, understand that if a person understands the meaning behind baptism in Jesus' name, there is no way a person would be baptized in any other name except the name of Jesus. So let's continue with this. Bible. So we are focusing on the formula, the name for baptism in, the, in, in water. And this Bible study affirms that name is Jesus. No other name. If you are listening to this message, uh, I'm not speaking to the live audience now, but in the future, uh, whoever you may be, whichever part of the world, 
if you are not baptized in the name of Jesus alone, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Praise God. Otherwise, that baptism was not for salvation. So a good place to begin is Peter's response to the religious authorities in Jerusalem who were adamant that he stop using the name of Jesus. You see, the leaders in Jerusalem, the religious authorities, Pharisees, Sadducees, etc., they just had one command for the apostles, stop using the name of Jesus. And what was the response of the apostle of Peter? We find it in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 12. And this scripture is really the reason. It underpins, it's a rationale why we must baptize in Jesus. And Peter said in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Praise God. Now we know there are billions of names over the years under heaven on this earth. And there are many names in heaven too, by the way, because angels have names, seraphims have names. There are many names everywhere. And we've even given names to creatures that live under the earth, I mean, in, in the sea. But the Bible is saying there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So Peter was essentially saying that the use of any other name other than Jesus in baptism, in repentance, in receiving the Holy Ghost would make salvation null and void. It would invalidate one's salvation. So we must understand that God wants us to obey his word. No one has the authority to change the words of Peter that Jesus gave him. Doesn't matter if your church is called Orthodox or Catholic or whether your leader is called a Pope or is called a pastor or he calls himself brother, doesn't matter. Obey Acts 2.38. Obey the man of God, Peter. Because Jesus invested all authority in him to preach the gospel. He said the Gentiles, by my mouth, would hear the gospel and believe. And that's why we cannot stop talking about Peter. We want to make sure that when we tell people what to do to be saved, that we use the same words that came out of the lips of the apostle Peter. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, you see, any spiritual activity associated with salvation must invoke the name of Jesus or it is null and void. It is useless. So the question for the Christian world is, do we believe that baptism is an act which is necessary in order to be saved? But the problem is many churches don't even believe baptism in the water that is immersion in the water is necessary for salvation so i hope that the bible study we had last week and for those who will be reading the text it's pages five and six and those who are listening uh you can always access 
the recording from last week about the meaning of baptism in Jesus. And it's a very deep meaning, uh, uh, putting off the body of Adam, putting on the body of Christ, circumcision, all of this points to baptism in the name of Jesus. It's about saying goodbye to Adam in this earth, which is cursed, and putting on the body of Jesus and uh, securing yourself a place in heaven through baptism. All this happens through the water, praise God. Just as Noah closed, God closed the door. Please remember, God closed the door of the ark of Noah. When somebody goes down in baptism, you are going to say goodbye to the old world. Yeah, it is God who will say, help you to say goodbye. Not you, not me. Jesus cuts off that which belongs to the earth, that which belongs to the old world. When God closed the door of Noah's ark, Noah said goodbye to the old world. All his friends, all his neighbors, the city he lived in, the town he lived in, the job that he had, all was goodbye. He's not going to see them again. In fact, he was going to, he was saying goodbye to even the location. Because when God would finish with it, he wouldn't know where this place was anymore. When we are baptized in Jesus' name, we say goodbye to this. We say goodbye to worldly friends. Amen. To every bad thing, every unholy thing, everything that God hates to the mockers, to the scoffers, to the ways of this world. Because, brother and sister, how can you love that which God hates? This was the problem of the wife of law. God was not happy with her. God is saving her from the old world. We should rejoice. But she looked back. She misses her friends, her whatever wicked job wicked language, wicked thoughts. God is trying to save you. Why do you look back? Thank God for Noah. Noah was happy. He was preaching 120 years. Only the people who continue to serve God, who continue to believe Jesus is coming soon. And the years go by. You know who are the happiest people when Jesus comes? Those who have been preaching many, many years, the Lord is returning with tens of thousands. Hallelujah. Because the longer we keep preaching this, the longer we keep living the way we live, the greater the victory. Close the door, Jesus. I can't wait to say goodbye to this world. I have done my part. I have preached 120 years, Noah was saying. But not the wife of Lot. Because the wife of Lot never witnessed to anybody. She used to laugh at their jokes, probably. She used to partake of their sins, like with her daughter. So you see, there are people who may live with Lot, who may live with Noah. But their heart is not with Noah. Their heart is not with Lot. They love the world. Because of you, because of me, God may try to take them out. But the world is 
leaving with them. Noah cannot take the old world with him into the new world. Lot did not have the old world in him. So he was only taking the new world with him. The kingdom of God begins within you. Please understand this. We know who's going to heaven. Look around you. People who already have heaven in their hearts. People who talk about heaven. Amen. Yesterday I'm having COVID and the pastor said, I still want to come. I love to talk with you. And we talked six hours. Although I was uh, quite sick. And we wondered how we talked about six hours. COVID is not going to stop us. We have heaven in our hearts. Once we open our mouths to talk about Jesus, hallelujah, heaven comes down. And six hours becomes nothing. Talking only about the gospel of salvation. What is in your heart, brother, sister? Is the kingdom of God in your heart? Or is the worries of this world in your heart? The wife of Lord, Sodom and Gomorrah was in our heart. You can take her out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but you cannot take Sodom and Gomorrah out of her heart. It goes with her wherever she goes. If the sons of Noah love the old world, they would hate the new world. Why will God take us to the new world? Do you think anybody's going to come to New Jerusalem and be sad? And you ask them, why are you sad? I miss my friends in the old world. <laughs> no, it's not such person coming. Hallelujah. All those who left Egypt and were missing Egypt, they died in the desert. In Jesus' name. I think it's better that we kill Egypt before we reach the land of Canaan. Kill the world in Jesus' name before we go to heaven in Jesus' name. As we keep walking, we tell Jesus, please, hallelujah, remove. You know, after some time, 10% of Egypt leaves you. After, no, after another few years, 20%, then 50%. By the time you see the land of Canaan, there should be no Egypt left in us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise. He says, where's Egypt? Dead in the desert. Hallelujah. I gave it to the Amalekites in Jesus' name. I have nothing now. <laughs> Amen. When Noah opened the door to the new world, there is nothing of the old world. They did not sit and say, let's sing the songs of the old world. Yeah, No, no, no. All things become new. If a man be in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, all things are passed away. All things have become new in Jesus' name. I beg you, let us be zealous for the salvation that Jesus bought for us with his own blood. Amen. We don't only partake of the Lord's Supper and flesh. Remember, the flesh of Jesus, the blood of Jesus is of the word of God. It's from heaven. We need to understand we are partaking of the life of heaven. We are tasting heaven through Jesus. Amen. Set your mind, your thoughts on things above, Paul said. Amen. Crucify the things of this world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. This is the meaning of baptism in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What Jesus has cut off and thrown away in the waters of baptism, don't dive again into that water to look for what Jesus has removed and try to take it with you into the new world in Jesus' name. Let it be lost. Hallelujah. Amen.
Let us say, I don't even know the way back to the world. There's no GPS that can take me back to the old world in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. The world behind me, the cross before. The world is lost behind me. You were lost before. Jesus found you. Amen. Now be lost. To being lost. Amen. Don't let the world find you again in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's continue. So, you see, we must understand the meaning of baptism and then we will always be faithful to baptism in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Such is the importance attached to this name. Apostle Paul asked the disciples of John the Baptist. Remember, these disciples of John the Baptist were missionaries in Ephesus. Ephesus is Turkey. Some of you were there with me last year. Imagine in that city in Ephesus, remember that amphitheater, which had the capacity of seating 25,000 was shouting, great is Diana of the Ephesians. Right in that city, the apostle Paul says to certain disciples of John in Acts chapter 19 and verse three, Acts 19 and verse three, the Bible says, he said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Clearly, every act of salvation must be conducted in some name. Yeah. Notice, even the wrong baptism has been conducted in some name. So it doesn't make sense when people say I've been baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's not a name. Those are titans. Give us a name. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, none of you were baptized in his name. You see? So it must be in a name. So the apostle Paul corrected this error. And the Bible records in verse 5, Acts chapter 19 and verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Praise God. In the Bible, name was mainly associated with mission. A name gave a glimpse into the power assigned to the person carrying the name. Amen. Name is mission. Name is power. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Praise God. The revelation of the name by which God would save humanity was the greatest message an angel ever gave to humanity. Angels are messengers, but this was the greatest message they gave to humanity. Hallelujah. Thank God for that wonderful message. That message that came from the throne of heaven straight to Nazareth. When I went the first time to Nazareth, this was a scripture I was thinking about, the greatest of all messages given to an angel. Call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. <laughs> because in the last 2,000 years, how many 
billions of lives have been changed in that name, brother or sister. Somebody tells me, what's the proof of Christianity? For me, the most powerful proof is the lives change. Jesus changes lives. Hallelujah. How many demons have been since cast out in the name of Jesus? How many diseases have left in the name of Jesus? The demons that would terrorize and torment humans were screaming now and being tormented in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. What a beautiful name. What a great name. Hallelujah. Just the mention of the name brings joy. Hallelujah. The greatest gift to humanity. And imagine people don't want to use that name in baptism. Why? You want all the other benefits of that name. When you are sick, you never ask a pastor to pray for you in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You say, please pray in the name of Jesus. When a demon is tormenting you, you want the name of Jesus to be mentioned. When you repent, you mention the name of Jesus. But when you are being baptized, baptism is the agency through which God removes the, the, the claim of this world, the curse that the earth and Adam and Satan have on you. And Jesus gives you a heavenly body and enters your name into the book of life. What are we celebrating this time also? It's the resurrection of Jesus. Life, not only death. Resurrection. And you don't want to use the name of Jesus? In which name do you want to rise up? In which name do you want to go to heaven? I want to do everything in the name of Jesus. Praise God. For there is no other name. Amen. There is no other name. It's that simple. Somebody says, well, you are false preachers. You baptize in Jesus' name. We should tell them there is no other name. Amen. In fact, if you use any other name, you are the false preacher. But we say this with love. I mean, we shouldn't call anyone a false preacher. But I'm amazed at how easily people who are preaching another name, a false doctrine, accuse us of a false doctrine. It doesn't make sense. No. We have authority to learn. No, no, no. Open the Bible. Show me who was baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nobody. Therefore, obey the Apostle Peter. Obey Acts 2.38. Praise God. Let's continue. The revelation of the name by which God would save humanity, as I said, was given by this angel. And this name, by the way, was no secret. It was already mentioned in Isaiah chapter 12, 700 years ago. And me, myself, put up the scriptures here because... I want to show you something. Look at the scriptures here. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 and Isaiah 12 verse 4. Read it together with me if you will. Behold, God is my salvation. Do you know what it says in Hebrew there for salvation? Yeshua. So, behold, God is my Yeshua. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my Yeshua. Look at this verse. Twice in this verse, his name is mentioned. Isaiah is prophesying about a day which was coming when salvation would come. Because in verse 4, he says, In that day 
shall you say, praise the Lord, call upon his name. Amen. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Twice it says his name in that day. We know his name today. We cannot stop using that name. So, furthermore, God, again, through the same Isaiah, prophesied that his people will know his name. In Isaiah 52, in verse 6, Isaiah 52, in verse 6, the Bible says, Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. Hallelujah. What a powerful scripture. Jehovah is speaking here. Jehovah is saying, in that day, my people shall know my name. That means when Jesus speaks today, the people of God recognize, aha, this is Jehovah. Because Jesus said, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That he told Philip, have I been so long time with you? That means, listen, Philip, if you are my people, part of my disciples, by now you should know my name. Therefore, you should know that I'm he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. And we say it is I. I is single, praise God. You know, at some point, if a person does not know Jesus is Jehovah, that he's the father, I'm afraid uh, I, I was about to say something. Let me leave that aside. But I, I'm afraid uh, Jesus will be offended. Yeah? That there is a certain kind of uh, time, grace period, Jesus gives those who walk them. And after some time, if they still don't know he's the father, Jesus is offended. Have I been so long time with you? Jesus is telling every Trinitarian church in this world, have I been so long, or have you claimed to be with me for so long, and yet has thou not known me? Not known that he's the father? That it is I. Jesus used the same language. Please look at John chapter 8 and verse 24. Jesus makes it clear. Unless you believe that I am, the word he is, you know, italicized. It's added for grammar, for grammatical facilitation, we call it. But Jesus is only saying, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. We don't have a choice. We have to labor, we have to pray, we have to teach, we have to witness to people that Jesus is Jehovah, the only God. Jehovah never existed as three persons. Jehovah could never be divided. Jesus, look at John 8, 24, I said therefore unto you. That means it's not something he said one time. He kept repeating it. I said therefore, I told you many times why we should not get tired of repeating. Sometimes I keep asking myself, why am I repeating this so many times and so few people believe in it? And then I'm reminded, Jesus himself repeated it so many times and how many people believe in it? We cannot give up. We have to keep laboring. We have to keep speaking it wherever we get a platform. Hallelujah. I said that front you. You shall die in your sins. But if you believe not that I'm here, you shall die. I cannot go to a church and not preach and tell them 
Jesus is the I am. He's the father. If I don't, they will die in their sins. Jesus will require it from my hands. Praise God. I cannot go to church and tell them it's okay to baptize in another name. No. Their blood will be upon my hands. So God also promised that we Gentiles will know and trust in his name. Praise God. Let's look at Malachi chapter 1 verse 11. I'm speaking about the name. Baptism, salvation is in the name of Jesus. No other name. God prophesied beforehand his name. And he promised that all his people will know his name. And look at what he says in Malachi 1 verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even unto the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, please say with me, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. I have a question for you. Which name from Israel is great among the Gentiles today? Which name from Israel? <laughs> Let's say Jesus. Amen. No name is greater. If you ask people all over the world, which name do you know from Israel? They will say Jesus. This, has, this prophecy has been fulfilled. He said, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place, incense shall be offered unto my name. I assure you, in many parts of the world, just tomorrow, Sunday, from Tokyo, Japan, to Oregon, USA, the north of Russia, to the South Pole, there will be people offering incense in the name of Jesus. Praise God. I hope you will be among them. I hope you will be part of fulfilling the scripture. That's why we tell people, go to church. Amen. Offer incense in the name of Jesus. The most famous Hebrew name among the Gentiles is Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we take refuge. In the book of Psalm chapter 61 and verse 3. Psalm 61 and verse 3. Look at how beautiful this name is. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Amen. And the book of Proverbs chapter 18 verse 10. The book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Let me remind you what the purpose of a tower is. Why do we have a tower? It was both a refuge from the attacks of the enemy. And at the same time, it was a safe haven from which to attack the enemy. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is a fortress which withstands the onslaught of the enemy, those who wish to destroy us, while at the same time, we can unleash mighty weapons to destroy the enemy from the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah, what a beautiful quote. When we sing, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into and are safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into 
They are safe. Praise God. Next time you have trouble, run into the name of Jesus. No arrow of the enemy can hit this fortress called the name of Jesus. And from this name of Jesus, we have mighty weapons. Amen. <laughs> we will shoot at the enemy. We have weapons. Amen. You can say, oh, the devil is troubling me. I will ask you, so why are you not troubling him back in Jesus' name? You know, here in uh, Nepal, last week in the church, I, I shared with them the one God doctrine. And, and they are telling me afterwards, they love the scripture from James 2.19 so much. Believe us now, hallelujah, that there is one God, or the God is one. The devils believe also and tremble, hallelujah. And they love that. You know, God has many different ways to speak to me. Because I was telling them, in Nepal, you don't need to fear what the devil is doing. Some people only live, like, you know, some people just go to the newspapers or the BBC. They want to know what horrible thing is happening today. What terrible thing? What earthquake? What? You see, it's like we, we are paying to be frightened. Yeah? You know, people pay to be frightened. You give money and you say, please frighten me. Please, I, I, I don't feel good if I'm not frightened. Here's some money, frighten me. No, no, no. God did not call us to be frightened. God did not call us to have the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. There comes a time we turn from the enemy who's chasing us and say, why am I actually running from you in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name, hallelujah. In the name of the one God, Jesus. Let the devil tremble in Jesus' name. Let him be frightened, hallelujah. Amen, in the name of Jesus. Stop being frightened. It's time to frighten the devil back in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I know you, who you are, the Holy One of God. Have you come to torment me before my time? How long have you been tormenting other people, my friend? And now when Jesus pops up, he says, I know you, please don't, don't torment me. The guy who's the chief tormentor, yeah, the, the, the guy who's like thousands of years tormenting him is now crying. Please don't torment me. That's the devil. That's the kind of person we have to deal with. No, let's run into the name of Jesus. And from the name of Jesus, let's start putting arrows in Jesus' name against the devil. Praise God. Do not relent until you destroy him. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Hallelujah. But if you're not baptized in Jesus' name, that's not a fortress. You don't have the, uh, a strong tower. What strong tower do you have? Father, Son, Holy Ghost? What is that? Can you imagine a person who lives in a tower that is, he says it's a mystery? A mystery. You don't even understand the building that you're in. But if you say, Jesus, we know that building. It's a safe tower. Powerful tower. Praise God. Amen. Let's stay in that tower called Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, Jesus is our focus. Amen. He can withstand any attack. And from him, powerful weapons are unleashed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's read the book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 18. The book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 18. The book of Acts chapter 16 and verse 18. The Bible says, and this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said in the spirit, I command thee, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. 
we came out the same hour. Praise God. See the power in the name of Jesus. We don't know how long the devil was doing all his horrible work in, in this lady. But when Paul turned and said, in the name of Jesus, I command thee. Praise God. He had to leave immediately. Remember the seven sons of Sceva? Seven sons of Sceva knew that there is power in the name of Jesus. They knew it. But they were not in the fortress called Jesus. You know what they did? They invoked the name of Jesus as a third party through Paul. Eh? In the name of Jesus. See, they're not in the fortress called Jesus. If So because they are not in the fortress, the devil looked at them and said, uh, it's amazing because you are shooting arrows at me from the name of Jesus, which is a strong tower, but I don't see that you are in this strong tower. So what did the devil do? them a nice hiding, a nice thing that they deserve. Let's read this in Acts 19, verse 13 to 15. Let's make sure we are in the name of Jesus, that you are baptized in the name of Jesus. It's a strong power, praise God. Acts 19, verse 13 to 15. The Bible said, then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preached. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, chief of the priests, which stood. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But who are you? See, the Bible keeps repeating that they were Jews. They were chief of the priest. They were sons of the priest. It doesn't help if you don't know the name of Jesus. You may say, but our Father, Son, Holy Ghost is very holy name. It doesn't help. The devil will still beat you. It will still trouble you. You need the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me conclude this Bible study by saying water baptism must be conducted in the name of Jesus alone. The apostles knew that the titles Father, Son, and Holy Spirit pointed to the name Jesus. The name of the Father is Jesus. How do we know that? John chapter 5 and verse 43. John chapter 5 and verse 43. Jesus says, I am come in my Father's name. And you receive me not. If another shall come in, in, in his own name, him ye will receive. Please notice this. Jesus said, I am come in my father's name. What name did Jesus come in? Say Jesus. That means Jesus is the father's name. Because he didn't say, I am come in the name father. He came in the name of Jesus. And then he's saying here, I am come in my father's name. So now we should know what the name of the father is. The name of the father is Jesus. So we don't need to keep saying father in the name of Jesus. Excuse me. Father in the name of Jesus. Why do you separate Jesus from the father? Whenever I hear somebody praying father in the name of Jesus, you know something is not right. We don't condemn them. We don't, jump, we don't want to trouble them immediately. But 
we have to ask them, you know, why will you uh, repeat? Why would you say Father and in the name of Jesus? Because it means they actually don't believe they're the same. So they want to be safe. You know? I've heard Trinitarians when they pray say, Father, and then they talk and then they say, uh, Holy Spirit, please remember us, hear us. And then finally, I ask all of this in the name of Jesus. You know, they want to be safe. Eh? They, are, they are like the people in the book of Acts 17 who pray to every God, be safe, including the unknown God. This is the unknown God uh, type of service. <laughs> Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They didn't understand. It's enough to use the name of Jesus. You don't need to mention Father. You don't need to mention Holy Ghost. How do we know? Of course, the name of the Son is obviously Jesus. That one, there's no controversy. All Christians believe Jesus is the name of the Son of God. What about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a third member of a committee called the Trinity? The answer is no. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus, and hence the name of the Holy Spirit is also Jesus. Let's turn to John 14, verse 26. John 14, verse 26. The Bible said, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in, my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Praise God. Listen, does it make sense to you that there are three members in heaven called fathers and Holy Ghost? And the father, no, the son says, uh, the father Father, please send the Holy Ghost in my name. Eh? Imagine, the Son is saying to the Father, please send the Holy Ghost, the third member, in my name. When we ask Trinitarians, is the Holy Ghost God? They say, yes, God, the Holy Ghost. So why is the Father sending him? And the Father is not even sending him in his own name. He's sending him in another God's name. You see how ridiculous it becomes? There is a God who cannot be sent in his own name. Another God is sending him in the name of another God. <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, but that's how ridiculous the doctrine of the Trinity is. There is no doctor, doctrine of the Trinity. doesn't exist. Never existed. The Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Amen. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense to say the Father will send the Holy Ghost in my name. Excuse me. The Holy Ghost seems to have no identity, no say-so, no agency, no nothing, no individuality. I even have read a book written by Trinitarians where the Trinitarian guy was a theologian. He was writing that the Holy Ghost is very humble. He doesn't like attention. You know, because he has a problem. He's trying to understand why the father has to send the, the son has to tell the father to send the Holy Ghost in his name. The Holy Ghost always is using the name of Jesus. He said he likes to put the other two ahead of him. Eh? I'm not exaggerating. I'm not saying this to ridicule anybody. This is what they teach. The Holy Ghost does not like attention. He likes to send the son and the father ahead of him. This is a 
You know what the, the first thing, the past thing Nepal told me when I was teaching about the Trinity? He said, this is uh, the same as the Hindu doctrine. The three Hindu gods, this is how they uh, interact with each other. He, he even called it the three murti. I've mentioned that before. So let's not bring, let, it's time before Jesus returns. Let's kick out paganism out of Christianity in Jesus' name. Let's flush out paganism out of the holy teaching of the apostles in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God is one. It is a, it's Satan who brought this doctrine into the kingdom of God. If we, if we are the last preachers in this world, we will preach this boldly in the name of Jesus. Praise God. And the God of Peter will be with us. We will boldly baptize people in the name. I ask everybody in Nepal, are you baptized in Jesus' name? Amen. Hallelujah. The pastor said he was baptized three years ago in the name of Jesus by another pastor. Okay. Uh, I'm ready to baptize anybody in Jesus' name, but first get the revelation. Understand God is one. Hallelujah. Amen. We will not give chance to the devil because he will. He gets his power when we divide the one God. We are here to reclaim the truth. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We have to you know, before you go back to uh, Jerusalem to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, you have to declare, pray to the one God. Declare, hallelujah, he is one. And this is what Nehemiah was doing. <laughs> you cannot build anything without first declaring that God alone is one. Let's turn to Nehemiah 9.6. Nehemiah 9, chapter 6. I was telling them this in Nepal. If you want to build the work of God, you cannot go to Jerusalem and rebuild the things of God. But look at what Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 9, verse 6. He made it clear over there. He said in Nehemiah 9, and verse 6, Thou, then thou art Lord alone. Can we say that again together? Thou. Let us tell Jesus, thou, even thou, you, even you, art Lord alone. We don't believe in more than, we believe God is alone. Amen. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens. How many gods made the heavens? One God. With all their host, the earth, and all the things that are therein, the seas, all that is, is therein. Thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Praise God. You know why Nehemiah could rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Because he knew that God is alone, and he alone made heaven and earth. It's not a problem for him to make Jerusalem. It's not a problem for him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Praise God. But if you believe in three gods, or trinity, or baptizing Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, you, you will not build anything. Or whatever you build, will disappear. It has no staying power. So we affirm, we declare, we acknowledge, we proclaim, hallelujah, God is one. Baptism is in the name of this one God. His name is Jesus. Jesus said, I have come in my Father's name. He had no other name except Yahshua. Jesus, hallelujah. The Father has no other name. If you say, Father, 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 the Father is not responding. Say Jesus and the Father will respond. Praise God. Holy Ghost. Who is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. When the Holy Ghost came upon the womb of Mary, 
And we get that body. The Holy Ghost did not go anywhere. The Holy Ghost is in that body. And the Holy Ghost now has the name Jesus. Praise God. Now the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. The Holy Ghost is no different than the Father. I ask, uh, you are asked a Trinitarian, who gave birth? When you say Father, why do you call, uh, why do you say Father? Because he's the Father of Jesus. He's the Father of Jesus. So who's now, uh, who gave birth to that flesh? They will say the Father. Not the Holy Ghost, they say no. So Luke one thirty seven says, one thirty five says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Amen. The power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So who gave birth here? There's mm, the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So now who is the father of that flesh? The father or the Holy Ghost? See, this confusion comes because they don't understand or don't want to understand that Father and Holy Ghost is the same person. When we say God, we are speaking about one God. Father, hallelujah, or whatever titles you want to use. And there are hundreds of titles Jesus has, but God is one. His name is Jesus, praise God. Because he came, he took that name, save his people from their sins. God cannot save with another name. He can only save with the name by which he declared to Gabriel, I'm coming in this name to save my people. Tell them to use that name, praise God. So we have to understand God wants us to be baptized in his name. His name is Jesus today. There is only one in, indivisible God. He does not exist as three persons or hypostases or beings. With, you know, just to use a banal, uh, trivial example. Without the correct username and password, today I was trying to come into some uh, newspaper website and uh, I couldn't and I asked them, oh, please, can you give me this website, this username and password? Without it, it's impossible to come in. So you will be shut out from the, the, the account or your computer or whatever. If you don't use the correct username, you don't use the correct password. Without the name of Jesus invoked in water baptism, there is no access to salvation. Access denied. What is the correct name? Jesus. Access granted in Jesus' name. With these words, praise God. May God give you access to heaven. Use the correct name. Amen. Don't use the wrong name. Amen. Use the correct password. Use the correct name. His name is Jesus. The windows of heaven will open for you. The blessings of heaven will be poured out for you. But if you can't, if you don't want to use, uh, or if you say, I forgot my password, the computer says, sorry. Uh, your account says, sorry. Hallelujah. Get a new password. Get a new uh, username, password, username. In heaven, it says, no, no, sorry. No new name. No other name. Given under heaven, among men. Praise me. Except the name of Jesus. So the Christian world today is using a wrong username and uh, nothing is really happening happening except their own tricks and games and God is telling them go to my people they will teach you what I what I gave to the apostles and then you will have access to all that you lost in the beginning in Jesus and we pray now God bless you hallelujah for your time let's pray not just for ourselves it's a blessing for us to be refreshed